Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. And that's certainly the case today because uh, I want to talk about marketing. And I've uh, had nothing but negative things to say about people in marketing previously, but uh, it's something I'm suddenly very interested in because I am sort of starting a new business. I'm starting a partnership with Dan and Max. Uh, you would have heard them on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and we're changing the game. We're changing the game of comedy and I'm going to get into that. I'm going to get into uh, some of the things I've learned reading one book on marketing. Fuck yeah. uh, What sort of strategies I think I'd employ in the world of digital marketing. So, that's the new emerging school of marketing, isn't it? Digital marketing. Mm, It's all the rage. You can get a degree in uh, social media now and uh, yeah. A lot of things going on there. So, uh, before we get into that, uh, Crush Organics. Crush with a K. Use the code Neil. You get 40% off. You get amazing CBD oil, okay? You you take a few drops. You just relax like that. Like that. Like like that. Takes a while, actually. But it's brilliant. Still good. And it'll help you relax. It'll alleviate any tension, any stress. It's good for you. And it'll help you sleep. So go to crushorganics.com, crush with a K, use the code Neil, you get 40% off. Hearing a lot of good things from everyone who's getting on the, on board, on board the crush train. So crushorganics.com, read the labels, use only as directed. Uh, if you haven't done it before, just start off with one or two drops. They also have gummies, they have bath bombs, they got everything. So go to crushorganics.com, use that code and come see us live. Jordan's doing shows all across the country. I'm doing shows all across the country as well, specifically the East Coast. Get to you, Perth and Adelaide eventually. But uh, we've got uh, shows on in Brisbane. There's now one on sale in Brisbane in June. So get along to that. Every week in Sydney, uh, we got Western Sydney shows on sale, Newcastle shows on sale, Melbourne shows on sale. And if you'd like to send in a question or a topic, or a shout out to this podcast. Go to neilkalhatka.com slash podcast and you can subscribe. And all the money from those subscriptions goes straight to charity. Now, uh, a, a couple of people have been subscribed for longer than a year. So, depending on your tier level of subscription, you can now send in another question or another topic. If you've been subscribed for over a year, you can send in your second question, topic, shout out, whatever it may be. So, in fact, I think the question we... Well, Jordan brutally answered in the last podcast was uh, Sorry. his second question. So, uh, we want to get some more questions and topics from the people who have uh, been subscribed for over a year. And thank you to everyone who has been subscribed for that long. Greatly appreciate. I'm sure the African kids greatly appreciate those mosquito nets. Yeah, I guess they, they would. They would they probably uh, would. Yep. Apparently, it's $2 for a uh, mosquito net. It dramatically reduces their chance of getting malaria. So, good yeah. on you guys. Sorry about that last question, mate, but uh, you, you've saved a lot of kids from dying. So, oh, you'll be as, opposed to the mayor. As soon as I saw the question, I was like, I cannot wait for Jordan <laughs> to answer this. Fucking <laughs> 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 hell. No. Thanks, good on you, AJ. We? Go, AJ. Uh, so, I'm starting a new... This actually came about... 
after the pandemic. Actually, let's go before the pandemic, right? There's a content arms race, as I'm sure you'd be aware of more than anyone else. And specifically with online comedians, it was just constantly becoming uh, far more important to churn out as much content as you possibly could. When I started back in the days of 2013 and 14, God, it's, it's actually nearly been 10 years. It's really crazy to think about. And you could get away with doing one really high quality sketch every two or three weeks. Now, there are a select few comedians out there that still do that and still do that immaculately well. But I definitely felt that content arms race hitting me. And that's part of the reason I started these podcasts. It was originally just to get extra content out there and then I really enjoyed them. Uh, I started a weekly show in Sydney, just at a local bar. I wanted to I, I wanted to try to surpass the industry because the industry hadn't caught up and they didn't really understand how big some internet creators were. I was used not maliciously, but used on marketing material and promotional material, even though I was a 10 minute uh, doing a 10 minute act. And if anyone knows anything about comedy, the headliner is supposed to be the big advertising selling point and they'd make me into the big advertising selling point. Then they'd only pay me what they would pay someone getting a 10-minute act. Everyone would come thinking it was, you know, mainly me performing. Then they'd all message me afterwards being like, what the fuck was that? And fuck. Yeah, it wasn't nice, but I wanted yeah, to still do touring. comedy. I wanted to still be part of the industry and still work my way up and, and improve my skills. And it was a very strange situation to be in because now if you look at a competition like Raw Comedy, which is a search for the next big Australian comedian, there's a lot of internet guys that are doing well there. So... Blake Pavey, shout out to him. He got into the final. Um, he's he's going to be so – he already is, but he's going to be so famous. That kid is so talented. And uh, there's a few others. Their names are escaping me now, but there's definitely people who already have a substantial internet following and the industry is not, I guess, turning their backs against them. Now, I'm not trying to say, oh, woe is me or anything like that, but it was just a very new thing when an internet person like me or Frenchie was coming up in 2013, 14, 15 uh, – and there was a, a, definitely a degree of resentment uh, from some of the more established comedians that were going through the, um, you know, the traditional path towards fame or, or, or perfection of the art form. And so there was always this monkey on my back. I really kind of wanted the respect from other comedians, but I also wanted to be seen and and sort of advertised properly and not as just some 10-minute nice. support act that was then going to bring in a lot of crowd for them and not get paid accordingly. Yeah. Uh, so- It's not nice. It, it, it got better. It got better as the years went on and I'd always have to tell people, can you leave me unnamed? Can you not advertise me? And they would always be like, well, you just got a few followers or whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I hate being that guy, but then i got to kind of be a cunt and be like- Look, man, like you, you do a show every week to 40 people, okay? In, in, in this sort of, if this was 2015 and you put me on the poster, it would have fucking sold out, all right? And then you can't pay me 50 bucks. It's that kind of thing. And But then I hated kind of being that guy. But, <sighs> Fuck. Uh, yeah, look, it was that sort There's of- There's a uh, lot of leeches in this industry, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And look, to be fair, they didn't they didn't sort of comprehend it. There's a lot of people who just didn't really, they just always had this idea. They like, oh, just got a few internet followers. Then they started seeing people sell out theaters and things and, and make- bucket loads of money <laughs> not me though but uh then people definitely started to catch on to it and realize and now things are very different but i started this show in in um 2019 actually and 
to make it weekly, I needed to either have I need to have other comedians. I needed to make it a different show. I was I couldn't just do my solo show every week. So initially, I was going to host a um a stand up show, and the big reason for that was I could get a lot of crowd work, film it, use it as regular content, and that's also content where people seeing me in the live context, and that makes a big difference for a lot of comedians out there. Uh, if you want to, if you want to eventually become a stand up, it's not just about gaining an internet following. That will definitely help, but getting clips out there where it's actually you on stage with a microphone and what you will notice all of the guys do it now in fact credit to Frenchie he sort of started it on a very regular basis with his Frenchie versus the crowd but now everyone is constantly posting crowd work and the reason for that is it's different content it's you as a stand-up and you can post a lot of it because look there's a little t- trick of the trade here's a little peek behind the curtain crowd work is always is is it's very impressive to the audience. It's actually not that hard. Writing a really well-crafted five-minute bit, and I don't. This is not. A, I'm not trying to. I post a hell of a lot of crowd work, and I don't think many other comedians would actually disagree. There are definitely comedians who are really good at crowd work, and it's amazing to see. But just doing your basic kind of crowd work, there's certain tropes you can you can just sort of latch onto. There's certain questions, follow-up questions. There's a sort of vibe you can go for and and it can be edited into a very funny 30 to 60 second clip and i've definitely done that and it's a great way to just post regular content and um that was my big thing with the sydney shows weekly right and i'd done improv when i was in high school with daniel actually done improv in high school and i had a little side business teaching uh teaching improv to kids we'd we'd expanded to about three or four schools and i was always going to say like hey uh, if comedy didn't pan out, that was something I really wanted to do. I wanted to start a sort of acting school focused on comedy and, and improvisation. But just me and my business partner, um, Ben, we just had too many other things going on and we unfortunately had to uh, stop that one. But improv is obviously a really good way to uh, do something different every week, right? Mm. And so I hadn't done it for a couple of years. I remember calling Daniel and I was like, hey, do you want to try doing about 10 minutes of improv at the show we're doing? And we did. We rehearsed a bit. We were definitely, we were very rusty because it had been, well, for me, it had nearly been 10 years since I'd properly done it. But uh, slowly but surely, the improv portion of the show got bigger and bigger. And then the show, it was at one point, it was 6.30 on a Wednesday before the main show, Magic Mike. Go check it out if you're in Sydney. And eventually we got the Thursday, we had two hubs, 7.30 start. Um, it was no longer me just hosting to a range of comedians. There was Max got involved, the DJ, and he, he helped sort of coordinate and organize and host the improv. And we started doing those line games, right? Because I thought, well, here's another great way to do regular content. And, you know, everyone said the same, oh, you're just copying whose line is it anyway? It's like, all right, look, they didn't invent that format. And that's on every panel show. I just wanted to give an opportunity for comedians- And I love that. To, see, to be seen. And that was what those so panel shows did it. so well. They did it great. And that it just doesn't exist anymore. No. And here's an opportunity for regular content, for comedians to be seen yeah. regularly um, on a regular basis and really like put a good foot forward and, and make up some really funny jokes. Yes. It's going to be seen. And then, and it's and it's helped a lot of people get a lot of followers. And, uh, Fuck yeah. You know, go and, Neil. And then it just kept growing, right? All those clips. First, they weren't doing well on Facebook at all. And then 
Chills, who runs Magic Mike, he was like, oh, you should post them on TikTok. And I'm like, dude, it's it's like 15-year-olds on TikTok. It's not going to go well. Posted one of them, 6 million views. Posted wow. another, 7 million views. Suddenly, my yes. TikTok audience is tripling. Yes. That was how I had this huge influx of TikTok followers back in um, 2020. Yeah. And I reached a million followers last year. I don't have a million on anything. Mm. And it was quite nice, actually, because- I definitely had felt like sort of, especially 2017, 18, my relevance had dipped a little bit. And then to to to, to, to suddenly be in the, the, you know, the social media limelight to a certain degree again and to get a million followers, which was, was always elusive on all of the other platforms. I never got to a million. And then after a while, sometimes it can stagnate. Then once you don't have that momentum, it's very hard to keep it going. But I was very nice. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot. And... um just every week that show got bigger and bigger mm. and then it was no longer Neil and Friends. It became Neil, Dan and Friends and I started to think, well, hang on a minute. Why is it that comedians just do this one solo show once a year in this little three-month block where you usually tour it around and you got to like constantly prepare for this tour and then you get this one big lump sum payment of cash and you're stressing and you hope you make enough for the year and all these things you got to rely on festivals. You got to then, you know, you, you've just got marketing for that one little tour and I thought, well, why can't there be like a, you know how with circuses you can, you can sort of tour it uh, regularly and people will come back to it because it's such a incredible show. Why can't there be regular shows that are comedy, right? Now, with stand-up comedy, it's very different to say music, right, where once people have heard jokes, they don't want to hear them again. In fact, they're like, you've wasted my money. You've just done the same joke. So, there's a problem. How do you solve it? Improv is a perfect solution to that because, one, it's an art form that is quite untapped here in Australia and most people who do improv are extremely cringy neckbeards and weird, uh-huh. like Zelda looking Zelda fan girls that yeah. everyone don't look does. like Zelda. <laughs> yeah, but they yeah. like Zelda. <laughs> Most people do improv are fucking weirdos. Yeah. Um, it's a bit here. And um, how do we then make the, you know, the, the, the first half? Because what we do is first half comedy, second half improv. So with that first half, I'm thinking, like, all right, I got to do some comedy there, but I can't repeat my lines too much but it got to a point now where we have two guests on every week we've got some of the best comedians in sydney and and we really try and prioritize people who just haven't gotten the credit that we believe they are deserving of from the industry we put them on we try to get them followers online as well um and the show just continually evolved and got better and better and better and max started taking a role booking the acts and you know just he dj's DJs before the show. What comedy show out there has a fucking DJ, man? And uh, we, we just continually changed those games. We tried new formats, used different things, and it was going so well. It was growing. And then then um, I was like, well, I need to grow Daniel and Max's social Instagrams here. But they should – it's not just me there, but, like, you know, we should all be invested in growing everyone's social media platform. And so now Daniel just hit 100,000 on TikTok, which uh, shout okay, out Daniel. to him. Yeah, Mad Dog. And Max is growing very quickly. He's posting a lot of stand-up on there. Those guys are growing now at a very nice rate, and it's good to see. And um, then I was trying, sort of experimenting with that uh, Comedy Down Under show, right, where I was trying to sort of emulate some of those great comedy shows of the 2000s. Didn't really catch on. And, you know, look, shout-out to everyone who watched that. Yeah, I'll admit, like, it just didn't. There were some elements missing and look, they were all very, very funny segments. It just didn't catch on as a sort of longer form format. 
And Alex actually made a good point. Uh, he was like, well, if you're going to do a longer show like that, you're not the mainstream. You're, this is never going to be TV. You're never going to have this massive budget. You've got to try to do something different. It's got to be underground. It's got to be alternative. So that's still something like I have in the pipeline. It's on the cards. It's just not there right now. Uh, but what I wanted, what I, the vision is, um, is that this show that we've created, it's not the same show every time. We can tour this regularly uh, across the country if the costs uh, can be uh, made in our favor, right? So we've got three people that we're flying, me, Daniel, and Max, and these are return flights and get accommodation, venue hire, any other sort of costs. So oh, we're paying the act. So there's a, there's a big cost associated there. But um, I did the numbers and we can make it work. And, and like some of those comedy venues have been extremely generous. So, you know, shout out to that, like, yeah, Comics Lounge in Melbourne, the one we always talk about and, and sit down in, in Brisbane, very, very generous because they like what we're doing as well and they can see the traction it's getting. And so w the vision is to perform monthly in Melbourne, in Brisbane, in Newcastle and in Western Sydney because these are big population centres, right? Newcastle, obviously, it's it's far more cost viable. We're not flying three people in accommodation. We drive there and back. In Western Sydney, similarly, you know, like it's a huge population centre. So even though we're doing the weekly Sydney show, uh, we can do this Western Sydney show. So look, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give everyone like a little bit of a whether you like it or not, like a peek behind the curtain, thinking about like the business side of this as well, because you know you have to be a manager, you have to be a marketer, you have mm. to be you have to do all of these things, right? Mm. I don't have a mm. manager right now. Um, Good. And, yeah. and then the other big problem was like a lot of these venues are booked out on Fridays and Saturdays. So we're now doing Thursday Sydney shows, Sundays, all the other shows. And we needed to come up with a new brand, right? It's not going to be Neil, Dan and Friends forever. So we've come up with Comedy Untamed, Australia's wildest comedy show. So it's not bad. I like it because it shows that it's uh, improv and it's also got like a nice Aussie Outback Steakhouse grill to it. That's the, exactly the vibe we're going for. Good. Might even put a beer on the poster kind of thing. So You should. Yeah. Comedy Untamed, Australia's wildest comedy show, touring regularly across the country. No, look, no one's doing that. Like People are doing their solo shows. People are doing sort of gala-style shows once in a while, and people are doing comedy rooms. But is there anyone doing a show like this where it's sort of regularly um, happening uh, in different cities and it is essentially like a touring almost like a circus comedy show and we we use like the best local acts from every place we go and yes i That's know it's, cool. it's it is i want to come to perth and adelaide and do it regularly there but like it's just making the finances work there is the hardest part really for three people that's where it becomes tricky so we're, we're considering just doing like a big theater show in those cities um either uh late this year or sometime next year um, and, and we'd want to hit all the other, like, centres as well, your Geelongs and your Gold Coasts and mm. your Darwins and Hobarts and, mm. you know, all those places as well. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, Comedy Untamed is what we went with and um, it's, uh, it's all happening. And the big thing now is, like, kind of marketing, right? Because it's like uh, eventually I'll exhaust my very... Um, Loyal audience, not loyal, but like my most uh, fervent fans in that they'll always come to the first show, uh, maybe the second, right? But then eventually you need to get on board the people that are like, oh, yeah, I've seen those clips. They're pretty funny. And so then a lot of it comes down to marketing, right? Because that's what I think 
I have an audience like that where it's there's uh, a smaller group of people that are like, I love this guy. I watch every video. I watch every clip. But then there's just like a massive amount of people that are like, yeah, I've seen one or two clips. He's pretty funny because every city we go to, um, now Daniel gets recognized a lot. Max gets recognized a lot. Everyone's like, oh, you guys are so funny. You guys do those clips. And then we're like, we're doing a show. And they're like, oh, we didn't know, right? So it's all about like getting as many of those people encouraging them to be like, hey, look, this is even better live. It's a really good live show. It's, it, you you want to come and see it, okay? Um, so, yeah, marketing has been like a big thing I've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks and months. And even just little things like, oh, you always used to just run Facebook and Instagram ads, not really just, you know, advertising it to people who liked my pages because I had – there's hundreds of thousands, right? So even if you spend a couple of hundred on an ad, you're not even hitting everyone who likes the page in that particular city. But now that there are these kind of like ongoing social media campaigns, you actually have to think about like, you know, that, that, that book, it, it's so, like so many things in my, it's like self-help. It's like, it's so simple, but you just didn't think of it. Like it's, okay, you're not a big corporation like a Coca-Cola or a McDonald's. Stop trying to think that like, oh, just getting your brand name out there is the correct strategy. What you want to do is have the most conversions. What do they call a click per cost per click or whatever the fuck. Mm. But uh, you want to get the most conversions for people who actually purchase a ticket. Mm. And so you got to start analyzing, you know, first cast a broad net, but then like, you know, uh, tighten that net as you start to realize, oh, okay, more women click on the link than men, which they do. Mm. I don't know why, but like dramatically more women are more likely to actually click on the link than men because there's a limited advertising budget. Well, then like the thing to do is like, well, just advertise the women then, right? Because mm. you, in terms of like your cost per um, per view or per ad, it's far more effective. And then you can also start looking at just like age, age demographic, all sorts of things where you can just continually narrow um, this to the point where like you know uh, for, for every, th- uh, you know, a thousand views or uh, eyeballs that are, that are put onto that ad, you want to get the, the biggest bang for your buck and the highest percentage of people who are going to actually then click on that. And so there's like some vague interest you can choose on some of these things and they're constantly changing their platform like Facebook, whatever, it's now meta. I don't even understand that interface. And, you know, the TikTok ads um thing it's it's just it's very weird to navigate it's a new one and you can't even be specific with cities sometimes you can just advertise to a state so uh yeah uh things uh like this i'm now having to think about i'm now having to think about you know um that tagline right australia's wildest comedy show whenever people used to say oh you should have like a a tagline for your brand i'd be like you're a cunt like i'm not a brand i'm an artist or whatever yeah but now you're like no okay it makes sense it makes sense you want to just get that like hit them with this like sort of easy to digest idea about what they're going to get at the show which is exactly what they're going to get right Mm -hmm. this is whether you know there's people out there being like this is the best show this is the funniest show no we are the wildest and we can like guarantee you that um and yeah now i'm suddenly interested in marketing basically so that was a long little preamble to everything that's been happening and by now you probably check out there's yeah comedy untamed is now the the new thing the new venture i guess i'm i'm uh attempting and and you know, there's a lot of comedic trios now on um, on um, TikTok all over the place. Obviously, there's your inspired unemployed. Although I think there's two of them, but then there's like Swag on the Beat. There's 
I think there was some there's some guy funny guys out there called I think they're called just bra or something. Uh, but there's a lot of like trios or like groups of like boy band com- comedy groups in Australia. <laughs> there's a lot of that happening now. Boy bands. This is <laughs> yeah, that's what they like, don't you they? Know. Pretty boys in comedy. Yeah, yeah, a bit of that. Yeah. Um, so well, it's, just, it's so female oriented TikTok. A lot of yeah, it is very, it is very female oriented, and um, it's vagina YouTube, isn't it? Yeah, what do they call it? Fem centric? No, gynocentric. It's so gynocentric. <laughs> um, should just be called Labia. It should that's what it should rename <laughs> itself. That's proper branding for you. Well, not all women have labias, Jordan. You should know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but who's your target demo? You know? Fair. Uh, so, um, I guess I didn't really. I don't know. I just wanted to. I just well, like. I, I just I, like sort of talking about. You know, this is the behind the scenes of everything going on. It's like, I'm, I have to now think about because I don't want to be a, a a business. Well, I mean, I am a business owner, but I don't want to be a manager. That's the thing I've hated the most is being a fucking micromanager. But you know, Dan and Max are still new to this, and you know, you have to sort of push them in the right direction of what people of what 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 you know this is this i'm not sort of like being a dictator and saying you have to do this but like hey i know all the guys who are successful internet comedians in australia these are the things they do this is what you should be doing and i will sort of hold you account to to doing it because it'll be good for you in the long run like i'm basically that kind of a thing and um that is something that i've never had to do before i've always had people like that i've worked with um and, you know, giving them directions and things like that. But this is now like a group thing where uh, sometimes I do feel like a boss and it's a, it's definitely a new experience. It's something you've had for a while. You've had a team working around you for many years now. And this, like I said, we're doing it as a partnership. So we're not, we're not, um, there is no, you know, boss there and we're all going to sort of own it equally and, um that I think is the best strategy moving forward. It is still hopefully going to be a part-time thing for us in the sense that it'll maybe be three to four days a week and everyone can still work on their own content and their own things. And look, the best part about it is like doing a show with like two of your best friends and like not having to like go home to a hotel all by yourself. It's fucking nice. It's, it's cool. Far better. And, it's so you know, much Good better. times a bit of shared. Yeah, and then even if you do a bad show, you can all be like, just get a beer and be like, well, that was fucking shit and, and still laugh still about laugh it. Still laugh about it. That's great. So. No, that's a fucking nice feeling, Neil. Yeah. Look, I will say this. I think that you intuitively have a great marketing nose. And so, I think that it's actually a really good thing for you to become an expert in because you will just find it like, you know, like a beaver to water. You're going to be good at it. And I think that that's great that you have taken the initiative in trying to figure out the tricks because even when you were some little hood rat 17-year-old, you were doing marketing that, you know, fucking token wasn't doing. Yeah, well, they're like still they, not they, doing now, still, but- <laughs> now. Now you have to pay 50 grand for a degree to learn basic shit. But, yeah, but which wouldn't be close to what you were doing anyway, you know. Uh, so yeah, you 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 have like a nice nose for what's going to work. And we were talking to a sort of whether you call them a star. I don't know what. How big does a company have to get before it's still known as a startup? But uh, it's, it's it's a new e-commerce um, brand. I can't believe I'm using this terminology now. But they were saying 
people who are trying to sell even physical products, right? Their biggest focus now is TikTok because there are, there have been success stories where companies have just sold millions of their product, or I don't know about millions, but a lot of their product because they've started to create viral TikToks. There's been venues here in Sydney that have just sold out for nights on end because they had a um, couple of TikToks go viral. And so now uh, you're in that sort of second phase of a social media uh platform the first phase is just the wild west and a great algorithm and then that's when you have to jump onto it but then eventually it gets corporatized but now you're in that sort of second phase where like there's you can still do this guy i guess guerrilla marketing and just explode into the stratosphere with sales based on making a few zany tiktoks that catch on and it's a very interesting space to operate in because you're talking to people who are well, probably 10 years older than me, right? Maybe late 30s or mid 30s maybe and you know they've 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 often just started a family or they're um, going along that path and you know they've they've put a lot into a business and they and they're asking you like how do you make funny TikToks? Which is such a bizarre thing to to be asked, but it makes a lot of sense because Focusing um, on it, yeah, that's how you're gonna. It's free advertising. Why mm. would you pay all this money to advertise when you can, uh, you know, create some content that's just going to organically go viral? You mm. don't need a big uh, machine behind you like you did with TV advertising and and things like that. You just need a good idea, but at the same time, the amount of like cringy digital marketing media agencies that exist. <sighs> They're only multiplying, aren't they? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people who sort of moved into social media advertising but didn't grow up with the internet, probably more like your age, maybe a bit older, and they have no idea what they're doing. They think they do, and they and then the 50-year-olds the who are in charge of the company think they're young and hip when, like, they're fucking 36. Like, you know what? I get it when Gen Z are, like, millennials, so cringe. Like, you're 36. Why are you still adulting? Get a fucking job. Settle down. Um, I hate that about millennials too. <laughs> and I'm like do, a late yeah. millennial. So, uh, there's a lot of that kind of a vo- that, that, that very cringy, like awkward, random, uh, sort of cynical, meta millennial vibe that comes with a lot of those, particularly in m- marketing. And I always found them very sort of, they're lovely people, all very nice people, but just kind of, I just did that. I don't know. Something about that. I, I, I just always was like, oh, my God, I'm going to make so many videos mocking you. Like that That was kind of the vibe I would get. Um, and a lot of these sort of places, they don't they don't last for long. They're, uh, they're fleeting. They're, they're, there's digital marketing agencies. They pop up for two years and there's a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing some of those big media companies have put a lot of capital into it. It doesn't work and, and because it's so volatile. You can't. You can't gauge whether a video is going to go viral or a campaign is going to go good. You can get on these, you can get on board with these influencers and say they, these people have this amount of reach. But then, as soon as it's sponsored content, the reach usually goes down dramatically. And now, you know, influencers. As much as I hate that term, let's use it. They're catching on to it. They're starting to just create their own brands and their own products because it's like, why would I? Why would I sort of pay some uh, get paid to spruik someone else's product and just like all these middlemen are going to take a cut when I'm going to usually create the content anyway. And where, where, where you sort of 
differ from like the traditional ad agencies is like they have a whole creative team. And now these some of the digital agencies do have that, but you know, often when it comes to working with um influencers, they're just like, yeah, you do the creative, which is actually a good strategy because the, the influencer knows their audience better than anyone. Mm. But then you also think like, well, what the fuck are you getting money then? Yes. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? Yes. You're this literally a middle person li- yes. liaising with the actual client, yeah. just buttering them up with all your fucking KPIs and your corporate lingo, then coming to some 18-year-old who has a million followers, giving them 20% of what you're getting, mm. telling them to come up with the creative ideas, telling them to really do the work let's be honest and you're just you know you're not that's not a viable business model i don't think think it could it can last you're not helping it can fleetingly last and can make a bit of money there but you can't do that long term surely i hope not because i'd lose faith uh well they are always going out of business a lot of them are yeah yeah and rightly so and like they'll always pop up in surrey hills in some warehouse and then they're gone two years later (laughs) and it's always run by 36 year olds yeah, and usually always a dude. the faces. Yeah. yeah. Same yeah, usually fucking office furniture. One straight dude with like a bunch of usually very attractive women yeah. and like a couple of gay dudes and maybe yeah. like one incelly kind of guy. That's the- <laughs> Yeah, that does the IT. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the startup space, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Plastic flamingos and fake grass in the fucking office. Yeah. Always a giveaway of an office craft that beer. is evil. Craft beer. Craft beer. Ping, ping, ping pong tables. Ah. We're not like a if usual company. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are doing hockey, yeah. We're not a usual home. company. We work yeah. from home two days a week. We prioritize mental health. Like, oh, yeah. just tell me what you do. Like, what is this crap? But We saw that movie Interns and this is what we imagine Google looks like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that. Yeah. Oh. Um, but, yeah, just crazy how the world of, I guess, digital marketing has transformed. But, see, here's the whole thing. A lot. It's like this when you learn any subject. Uh, there are 12 basic concepts in every meta subject, let's say, that you need to know to become an expert. And then everything after that kind of just branches off those basic core concepts. And it's great to know those things because it gives you narrower and narrower distinctions of that core concept. So, it's more drilled into your mind and you can assess it in different situations. Good example, I guess, is like how Eskimos, the stock standard one of they have 50 words for snow, you know, like, okay, the concept is snow, but if your entire environment is snow, it's very important to know what's hard snow that you can walk on, what's sleety snow, what's snow that's just going to fall through into ocean. That's important to know. So, you have all those different words for it. That's pretty much every concept. And so, when it comes to you learning marketing, there will be a lot of things, I think, especially with you, because you just have a natural instinct for it. Uh, you'll be like, I already fucking knew that. And Maybe. I don't know. Because it's, it's- There's no way, huh? I sort of- I have a mind that- Similar-ish to yours, which is like I want to obsess over everything and like find the nuances and pick everything apart. A lot of marketing is just like, hey, look, simplify your message. Get a good tag. It's just simple sort of things. But it's like with self-help, 
the the idea behind it might be simple, but the execution the is execution not. is not. Yes, and doing it well is the difference between being profitable or losing a oh, lot of yeah. money. No, Neil, you <laughs> will overthink this, and you will probably have two years where you are really overthinking it and being worse at it than you naturally would be. But I think that you have the fundamentals for it, and I think that it will pay off greatly if you become an expert in marketing. It's the same thing that I'm always saying about you with football. Like, you you got to be fucking exploiting that. You're too fucking funny about that <laughs> subject. It's because people are funny about the thing that they know because they have all the fucking really small, tiny, slithery distinctions. That's what we're talking about with that, right? And I think it's the same thing with marketing. So, when you first learn all these subjects and you're just like, okay, I already knew that. But then there's that layer over the top where you're trying to relearn what you already learn. No. And, yeah, that, that won't work. And so, yes, you're right. You will be overthinking it for a while. But when you combine, it's just, dude, that's your version of being a Jamaican, you know? They're just going to be good at running naturally. Right. Then they're going to get the coach and then they're going to get world class. I think that's you. I, 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 I always notice that. You're always ahead of everybody else in terms of this is the technology platform that I need to be on and this is how you exploit that technology platform. So, Jesus Christ, when you get kind of an academic understanding of that natural intuition, that is going to be incredible. It's, a, it's also an, it's a, it's a nascent discipline, isn't it? Because social media has only existed for a very short period of time. There's, there's, long, there's like a long literature of, yes, marketing, but but social media marketing is very new. Yeah. Yeah. And cringy. And cringy. <laughs> anyway, but then like, again, so it's traditional I'm marketing. digital marketing. Oh. That's particularly I mean, cringy. that's what I'm starting now, I guess, just without formal degree. <sighs> but <laughs> Well, I wouldn't be fucking getting a degree out of it, that's for sure. But I think that you're on the right path of just reading 50 books. It's uh, incredible how many jobs are actually on offer there. I- I'm surprised more Asian and Indian parents aren't like, ah, you should, hey, you should, don't worry about medicine, do digital marketing. Because the co- corporations, companies, brand, every, they're, they're desperate to have someone who can boost their social media presence, who can do it in a, in a, in a knowledgeable way, in a, in a way that is effective. And, and they've, they're catching on to the, the fact that people who are younger just are naturally far better at it because they've yeah. been on social media for a, va- uh, yeah, it, just a, a significantly longer of time, a longer amount of time. And you can, you know, teach people who are older as much about it as you like. They're never going to have that same organic understanding as having grown up with it. So, it's you actually, if you're struggling with something to do when you just want to do something somewhat creative and most likely have great hours and probably work from Fuck home and, work. And, and, you know, get to just come up with literally memes, if you're inclined to that, that's actually a viable option for you. Um, if you want to do the degree, yeah, you probably, look, if you want to work for, I don't know, fucking Coles or whatever, do the degree ask if you can get an internship somewhere in their marketing team and then say, hey, could I try running your TikTok for a while and and then give it a go and then, like, see what happens. I mean, there's probably a lot of people trying to do that. But 
Um, there's just there's just a big opportunity there for a lot of like Gen Z in in particular. In fact, if anything, I'm too old for that. If you if you're like early twenties, late teens, that's a, that's definitely a, an option. I personally wouldn't like doing something like that full time, but it's a sort of one where like. Well, what else are you skilled at, Gen Z? It's that's it. You just yeah. skilled at looking at a screen. It's 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 probably futile to actually do a three year degree because it's such a continuously changing industry in that you, you, you're better off. No, it university like is superfluous for that. It's and, worse. And, for, for, and it seems to be that many disciplines are, are trending towards this in that the technology and the changes are happening so rapidly that a better model moving into the future may be, okay, for one year you learn the fundamentals of whatever course or discipline you're studying and then for the rest of your life you go in every fortnight or every week and you're just continuously being educated in the new updates and the new trends. That seems like a far better option uh, than just doing a three-year course in like so many subjects now that actually seems like a better viable option for everyone. And then, you know, the, you, you solve that problem of people being, you know, what are they, overeducated. Oh, these fucking latte sippers spend eight years at uni, don't know what the real world is like. And there is a certain truth to that. There is definitely a certain truth to that. Um, you do want to be out there at least having a part-time job and, you know, learning other basic responsibilities that you're going to need and the longer you can do that throughout your early 20s and late teens the better off you will be when you hit your late 20s and you can you can see there's a dramatic difference between people who have gone out there and sort of taken that responsibility and often failed in the process but tried different things and lived independently and i know for a lot of people it's actually financially very difficult having said that a lot of people do make a good point in saying yeah it's financially difficult in certain parts of sydney and melbourne but it's truth both ways in that one um if you just it it depends on what you're doing of course but you want to be having some sort of not, not just a side hustle or whatever but just other you know many strings to your bow Unless you're one of these very select few people where you just want to totally obsess over one thing. But I feel like a lot of people think that maybe have a narrative that, yeah, I'm going to be the next Picasso or whatever in in their given field. And look, you probably do have to be a bit realistic and practical about that. Obama once said that to this like school of black children. He's like, look, a lot of you probably think you're the next Lil Wayne. Probably not. Go to school. <laughs> Go to college. <laughs> and then they and then the best thing was that like, like, like this like black reporter was asking <laughs> Wheezy. He was like, um, I don't know if you heard the speech that Barack Obama said referencing you. How did that make you feel? And he's like, <laughs> Yeah, man, it was so good. It made me feel like I'm untouchable, man. Like <laughs> And there's something else nobody can get. Oh my to. god! Of course he fucking thought that. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Look, I'll give him this. He's a funny man. <laughs> He's, He's funnier than any comedian man. could ever be. Uh, lollipop! What a banger! That was a fucking amazing. That was revolutionary. Changed the wasn't game. It? Yeah. How many drugs was that guy on when he did that? Permanently. So, you know, but- I, was talking, I was talking to Daniel about this yesterday. How much of pop culture is just because there's this machine behind pop culture? Now, look I, again. This both of these things, I'm not experts on. That's what this podcast is: comedians talking like experts on subjects they are not experts on. But um, 
pop culture, there's this machine behind it. You've got the record label and, and then, you know, they've got their arms in everything and, you know, they'd often like sign you to a deal where you're immediately indebted to that record label where they'll give you an advance on how much it takes to produce the album and then I don't know how it works but I assume they take a huge cut of sales and profit and whatever and like you're then having to actually like pay off debts and I've heard of certain artists that have been, you know, uh, signed up to just like atrocious contracts where they owe an, a, a record company five albums in 10 years and all these, all sorts of things. Again, not not surprising, but have you noticed like every pop culture video and everything associated with pop culture, how substantive is it? How much of it is just attention grabbing for the sake of being attention grabbing, right? Like you look at every pop culture music video, there's always some sort of wacky dancing going on. There's something weird happening. There's someone in like a, you know, a couple of years, there's always someone in like a fucking onesie break dancing or there's some sort of weird. There's always something like eye catching and weird and attention grabbing to make people who just are kind of dumb be like, oh, that's interesting. Like that, that's really how <laughs> it makes me feel. Like I, I look at some of these things, like even like the fashion with a lot of pop culture artists, it's like, does that actually mean anything or are you just trying to grab headlines there? So I immediately think back to like this is how much of now I uh, of a cringy old millennial I am. But like when Lady Gaga wore the meat the, the meat dress, the yeah. meat dress or whatever, it's just like, is there actually an underlying message to that, or are you just trying to like grab attention? And like that's what they when we always talk about charisma. How much of charisma is just being a weird cunt? <laughs> like you just ah. you're just doing all this weird shit. And talking in this weird, obscure way, like with Kanye West, right? He is incredibly talented, but also I swear like 70% of the appeal and the attention he gets is like, that's fucking weird. Mm. That just mm. almost seems to be like, obviously can't, it can never be that simple, but like if you're like hot, moderately talented at singing and dancing and very weird and confident in that weirdness, you're going to be a megastar. Oh, yeah. That's that's seemingly all it takes. But again, like a, definitely not an expert. But you're kind of right, too. That's exactly it. You, you just now, Marketing 101. By the way, we can release that Charisma podcast, I forgot to tell you. Um, but oh. <laughs> From like last year. From last year. <laughs> May as well just all chuck right, it's it out. Okay, so Here's just backup. context. We filmed a Charisma Part 3 podcast last year and um, someone was writing a book or something like that. That Jordan mm. mentioned that hadn't been released, but- Waiting till it's released. But yeah, it's released. W- what we'll do is we'll keep that one as a backup if we're ever very busy and need one to go out. And you know, please do, please do. Yeah, because that was a good explanation of what charisma is. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you just nailed Lady Gaga's career. Moderately hot, pretty good at singing. Fucking weirdo, megastar. It seems to be like that's the that's all it takes. Also, okay, gay look at someone lover. like Lizzo, right? Like she ha- is a very good singer, but. You know, let's be honest. A lot of it is just like hot girls, like sympathy liking her. Really? I think so. I thought it was just other ugly chicks being like, yo, we're being represented. Well, I'm sure there's that. But I mean, you know, there was Adele and whatever. But I guess, yeah, now there's a person of color doing it. So it's like, oh, I feel, I feel. Person of color. Because the feeling you'd get in like supporting someone like that would be, oh, I'm, you know, I'm fighting against racism as well. I mean, they wouldn't. directly say that but sort of indirectly there's that like you know i have some people come to my shows and i think like you do you would not like my comedy at all i just get the vibe that you've 
read an Instagram story in that you should support people of color, regardless of whether you like it or not, and you've just come to my show and probably hated it. Fuck. But felt good about it. Like, I get, right. I get that vibe. I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm, it could be me projecting there. But, um, and look, no disrespect. Like, she's a, she's a very good singer, but, like, I, I look at so many of the the pop icons or whatever, they're either just, like, very, very hot and sexy or they're uh, kind of hot and just very weird. <laughs> but, like, in, but everyone's like, oh, they're so interesting. But, like, are they or are they just weird? Like, there's a very fine line between just a fucking weird cunt and actually interesting and substantive. And a lot of them- This is no substance just- then. No. No substance at all. They're not saying anything. In fact, they always say- in some reveal interview, I was just trying to grab attention. Yeah, it makes it. It just. It really seems that okay. Someone like what was his name? The the like punk guy that like would eat like cut off heads of chickens or whatever on stage. Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, yeah. It's like all right. You, what's the message that it's all? It's always some like anti capitalism. Like every fucking hell. Is no, there any art society. that's like not about capitalism? Yeah. Like every. I went to the museum um, the other day. And like a lot of it, I don't, you know, it's abstract modern art. I don't like, I don't get it or whatever. But noodles. You'd look at the description and it's like, oh, capitalism and colonialism. Oh, what does this one mean? This is cool. Capitalism and colonialism. Right. Okay. Right, yep. right, Ca- okay. Oh, capitalism and colonialism. Like, where are the pro-capitalist artists? <laughs> Come on, that'd be great. Where's the art that's like showing the fucking country with the like shitty um, factory in the 1800s? And then showing a comparison with a country that didn't have the shitty factory and that, showing the people oh. out of poverty. Like, where's that art? Okay. It's called movies in the 80s. That's all you got. Okay, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the <laughs> sort of indirect, you get that, what is it, the creative, the capitalism <laughs> with feelings, like that one. You get, but everything's about fucking colonialism and capital. Like, and, you know, not saying they're objectively good things, but like, fuck, is there any art that's not. About <laughs> that, it's everything comes down to like, well, it's just criticizes capitalism. Like, all right, we get it, mm. get it. Mm. Is that all you can think about if you're an artist? No, um, what about this one? Social media has really distanced us. <sighs> I've n- it's better to bring us together, but I've never felt more divided. <laughs> <laughs> but that's every year. And again, like what you say, it's like yeah, and. Yeah, every year nine art student. Like every year, nine, there's a funny TikTok. It's like every year nine drama performance ever, and they're all in black and like they're spinning in a line. It's like depression, anxiety, <laughs> social media. <laughs> just, oh, I could imagine. Like even when I was in year twelve, they were all about. Um, they were actually specifically a lot of them were about like anti-Muslim things. Racism, yeah, it was in all about, media. yeah, and it was all like <laughs> white girls who did drama, yeah, of course, <laughs> like, of course. My friend was like, "It's not even a hijab, that's a burqa," or like they just like picked it apart. <laughs> and, Fucking know. beautiful, <laughs> so good. <gasps> Granola Ryan, who's the pro-capitalist Shh. pop artist? That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for like a, the Justin Bieber of country to, like, but like. That's why it's I just, think that's why I like country because it's like, oh, right, it's something different. They're like pro guns, and you know, I get, I, I feel like they're uh, actually uh, provocative and rebellious. Yeah, most of their songs aren't about sex. It's mostly about the breakup. 
It's about the breakup. It's about guns, about drinking beer, and it's about being like unapologetically a redneck that everyone hates. And and don't you think there's I something- like, I like it. Well, there's something very like- uh, I don't want to say naive. I don't want to say sweet, but I've got nothing better. There's something sweet and naive about country music. Yeah. Something like- You know why? Because they're just so- this is this is what it is, right? Like it's this, this uh, chef that Miss Love's obsessed with at the moment, who is basically a country and western singer that cooks things, and you know he's got that voice like this, and his name's Kenny Rogers or something like that, and he's just like constantly while he's cooking, being like, "We're just going to be cooking this grill using nice American propane, and while we're waiting for that grill, we're going to be saluting Old Glory and thanking all the veterans for fighting so that we can cook steaks out in these beautiful ranches. And then he just stops in the middle of a YouTube video with hundreds of thousands of views and sits there with his heart, his hand on his heart, just being like... <laughs> and it's like, there is no irony in that. None. That man genuinely feels that way. And Damn. that's really refreshing in our... In our era, especially amongst our generation, for someone to not have to mask something in six fucking layers of irony to protect themselves. Yeah. I think that's what's really endearing about country music. Mm. It's like they're, they're being very honest in those songs. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> they are, they're self-aware, but they're not ashamed of it either. They're not. They're, they're just like, yep, this is me and I love it. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that is why country music- is very appealing to our generation. It's honestly the same reason that Spanion's very appealing to our generation because he's sort of the closest thing that we have to someone that didn't grow up uh, with Facebook group chat. <laughs> he's an authentic voice, man. He is himself. And, and that's so rare now. So rare. Celebrity in the age of- Celebrity in the age of social media. This is my year 11 report, but- uh, Celebrity is an, is a is a strange concept, isn't it? Basically, someone is famous for the for the just the fact that they are an entity. They are something beyond themselves that resonate with people, and it means something. And a lot of it is just weirdness. <laughs> I really think it is. It's like, hey, is that person really uh, truly emotionally intelligent? And they've built upon that to become charismatic in a given social situation. Or are they just a fucking weird cunt? And as a result, people are like, ah, that person is wearing that or doing that. And look, to be totally honest, I'm trying to like involve things like that onto my social media, even into my appearance. Why the fuck do I have all these lines in my beard? I was like, one, that kind of looks cool. But two, hey, I just want to stand out because that's half the the half of charisma and half of like grabbing people's attention is like you i want to have the substance behind it and all that but like you just kind of got to be weird that's that honestly seems to be what it is mm. you're absolutely right you, you, you just, are absolutely right but obscure weird like uh, strange in some way it know? doesn't last forever though no, it definitely doesn't. The only one that's been able to pull it off permanently is Kanye West and I'm sure he's probably got 100 people thinking about how for him to do something that's just ridiculous uh, so that he can stay in the limelight. But, I mean, fuck, even Lady Gaga, where the fuck is she now, you know? Who knows? Who I knows? don't want to know. I don't think anyone cares. No one gives a fuck. 
It is so it only keeps you only for a little bit of time. Uh, if you want to keep going forever, you do need substance. Yes. But this is the whole thing, right? Like, look. Ideally, you want both, though. Ideally, you can you can not just be attention-grabbing for the sake of being attention-grabbing, but be having an enigma. while doing it. Yeah, have something that makes people go, whoa, that's the way you presented that. Not just what you were presenting there, but the way you presented that was eye-catching. You know the, the the vibe that you give off, the the immediacy of the image that comes out, like that sort of surface. Those surface level things are important, and there there is an art to it. I think. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, and that's something that would be great for you to uncover in your endeavors when it comes to marketing. But what about the counter example of a few actors like Daniel Day Lewis that keep it? unbelievably classy no one knows if he's alive or not but the, that's the, the that's the weird where the weirdness almost comes, comes in it's just like oh he's a he's carpenter for mysterious. most of the year and then he randomly puts and he commits so heavily to his uh role which okay in all practical reality if you're acting do you need to go to the ends that Daniel Day-Lewis does? Probably not. If he didn't spend as much time method acting, would he still do a great performance? Probably. Probably, but it's the it's the um, vibe that he gives off and then he's developed a uh, a, uh, a, a a stigma and, uh, you know, you associate him with like he is a committed and obsessed and really dedicated to his craft. And, and then mysterious. that plays into your perception because then you've already got those ideas in your head when you're viewing him. And I've got to watch um, Fuck, the Lincoln right. one. I need to watch that one. I haven't seen it. But, well, that's uh, pretty much there will be blood, but with a stovepipe hat. But anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's not bad. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad. I bet it's, I'm sure it's very Except good. Except, okay, uh, there but, will be blood was about capitalism. And obviously, Lincoln is going to be about racism. So well, you're I mean, right. I expect, like, everything is about that now. <laughs> like I do. You know, it always was. It's just, yeah, it's just, fuck. <laughs> Can there be, it's going to be mad if someone's like <laughs> libertarian art. Like, there, there, is, there is some out there, I think. Yeah, they're just not very good at it. Yeah, because like to be usually the like personality traits, the personality traits uh, that are associated with conservatism, uh, you know, sort of organization, conscientiousness, sort of, th- I guess, being a builder, thinking, you know, in, in, with, through costs and benefits and, and not necessarily being creative. Whereas, yes, being more, I guess, liberal and open is is thinking creatively, thinking outside the box. So it's it's it makes sense that the arts world is always going to sort of skew, you know, culturally left in that sense. Oh, but, yeah, But absolutely. having said that, it's now become such a homogenous a- area uh, that actually being creative could be thinking outside of that. What do you mean? Well, I mean, who was it? It was Donald Glover a couple of, not that long ago. He, he said, like, oh, cancel culture. And, you know, the, the, there's this sort of atmosphere among artists that people can't say anything. And, you know, just your classic anti cancel culture sentiment. But I can't help but feel that, that you, there's there's room now for a, a really substantive, talented, great artist to, to break through, whether it is a singer or an actor or whatever it is and become a celebrity and become a mainstream figure 
by going against the uh, uh you know mainstream left wing cultural narrative and there'd been some some inkling of that with i guess the your your right wing commentators like your Ben Shapiro's or your Jordan Peterson. I mean, Jordan Peterson it's is a really the creative closest, work. Yeah, he's, he's the, closest the closest thing to an he artist. Gets to like a celebrity academic, there. Like he is a celebrity academic, but he's yeah, the he is. But also in terms of like, like a celebrity phenomenon, he does have a celebrity phenomenon to him. Yeah, but there's also a creative flair to the way he argues. Yeah, so and he, that's it. Yeah, and, but that's like, dude, who the fuck else have they got? Everyone else is just railing off Fox News talking yes. points. Yes. There's no one else that's really adding anything. And even when you're talking about someone like country and Western singers, and I agree, they do make beautiful songs, but there's nothing. They're not talking about that shit. They're, just, they're, they're kind of just talking about their culture of just like, you know, swimming yeah. at the water and holding a boy. What, like rappers talk about their culture. What's the difference there? But that's what I'm saying. Like it's not. Culture. It's They're not. They're not making those big societal claims. They're, they're really just right, talking right, right, about right. like, it's my neighbourhood. Yeah, because like I guess, you, you, you know, you're Madonna or whatever, there was always a big, uh, there was a lot of depth to everything she did. Well, it was seemingly, I don't, I don't know, definitely before my time. But, yeah. I think, I don't know. Like, what's a, who's a celebrity in Australia? Like who's, you know, who's... Someone that everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> Fucking you. But we're That's- not built for it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a different kind of thing. But- we're not built for Australia is not built for. Yeah. What's this person like? It's built for. Oh, no fucking way. Jeez, fuck yeah. Yeah. That's our culture. Yeah, America is, a, is celebrity obsessed, man. It's weird. It's. uh. I think yeah, Dude, like the, the like yeah. concerts and a random other person comes out and they're just whoa, yeah. it's a religious experience. I mean, like, look, going to a concert, going to any concert, it seems like a very religious experience to me. I've never gone to a concert, <laughs> but it just looks very. I think I've said this on podcast before, but it, you know, I got all these stories um, from people that went to a big, I, I, I don't know what it was, drum and bass or. There's just a lot of DJs in the Horton Pavilion here in Sydney and a lot of, you know, flashing neon lights and it was obviously this big sort of techno show and it felt religious. It felt like some sort of cultish pagan worship. (laughs) Like I understand, I would understand how an eight-year-old Christian woman looking at a bunch of 18, like 20,000 18-year-olds packed into the... Horton Pavilion, watching these flashing lights and like monotonous, monotonously moving to this intense bass of, <laughs> I could totally understand how an eighty-year-old Christian woman would be like, "That's the devil." Like, I, yeah, I it is it. the devil. It it is, it's man. so the, it is. It is. That's, and they're all on drugs. It's not God. It's <laughs> yeah. so the opposite of God. And then they come out. Oh, that was the best experience of my life. I'm like, you were on caps. Oh, fuck, can't like it, it was lights and jumping. But again, I never done it, so I don't know. No, well, it's all those things are always going to be that because they're putting you in a peak state. But yes, that, you know, yeah, like yeah. come on, Christianity should have paused at exactly the moment when. Uh, those Swiss guards that guard the Pope with the blue and yellow costume with the axe that's got the weird pike on the end of it. When that 
started becoming a tourist attraction, that's when Christianity should have stopped. There should be nothing but fucking cathedrals. I hate Christianity being brought into the modern age because I swear it's this. It's like capitalist. It's just, it doesn't fit in the church. It doesn't fit its aesthetic. It doesn't fit its ethos. It's really corrupting. When I see that shit of Hillsong with the fucking flashing lights and the huge screen and stuff, it's just like, there, there is nothing religious about it. This is- No. This is, a, those- this is where stereosonic- Left off, really? Yeah, those are the prosperity preachers in America. There's so many sort of sects uh, that have sort of spawned from, particularly in America. Of course, that's the place to do it, and half of them fly on multi-million-dollar jets and they preach prosperity. They say like Jesus would want you to be successful and earn a lot of money and live a luxurious life. Which, look, okay, I haven't studied the Bible, but I, I don't. No, I don't think that's was his core message uh but again i wouldn't have a clue about that sort of stuff it it does seem like it's in a weird it's weird hey like what is the next level of uh religion is it just is there just this big reactionary sentiment and everyone goes back to how it was or is there this sort of new brand of christianity that then starts to emerge you know, as an antidote to woke nihilism. You know, what what, what happens next? Because I can't see it being the Pentecostal thing. I mean, a lot of – actually, a lot of immigrants who come here are very Christian and, like, they do – a lot of, like, islanders and that, like, they go to Hillsong all the time. But, like, for it to become a very mainstream thing, it would have to evolve – because we also look at that. A lot of people look at that and they're like, yeah, what do they well, cringe or whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like, it'd, it'd have to change its image in that sense. But I guess um, the alternatives are helping it because the alternatives are also becoming cringe. Mm. Or it could just be that the way um, millennials and Gen Z see the world is just cringe. Who knows? God, if you think that everything's cringe, that is the true death knell of religion. That's cringe. That's cringe. cringe. Yeah. All the Crusades could have never achieved what this smug face could. Yeah. <laughs> that you you have well, because dude to be, like it's it's the exact opposite. Religious is about pure faith pure belief in something. Yeah. And if you are refusing to have grace, to have faith, because that's really the- That's what you're doing with that facial expression. You're like, I refuse to give this any credibility at all. Yeah. That's the end. That's the end of the road. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, uh, that's a good- That's a good- Good little point to leave this one on. Well, I'm excited to hear that you're endeavouring yeah. on marketing. That's really good well, for I mean, you. It's, it's a good fit for it. you. It's part of it. It's it's the big thing is like I want this to succeed. I want this to become a, a comedy show that everyone wants to see. That uh, is is a regular thing in these in these capital cities in these major cities, and yeah, it does become a successful brand. Good and goes against the good. grain and and good. doesn't. It's not. It's not a solo show. It's not a touring gala show either. It's it's 
a, a unique show that is going to perform regularly in Melbourne, in Brisbane, every week in Sydney, every month in Western Sydney, Newcastle as well. And dude, the difference in audience between that Western Sydney show and Sydney was so funny, man. Like, I did one Western Sydney show. First of all, it's a place and, and like, great place. And um, it's, uh, it's called Mounties um, out in uh, a place called Liverpool. It's actually a neighbouring suburb of Liverpool in Sydney. It is a pokies desert, man. Like, there are different levels of pokies. Just a fucking jungle of pokies, man. It's so insane. Wow. And um, when we do our Eastern Sydney show, Sydney City show, we often ask people like, what do you do? Everyone usually says like lawyer or, you know, the most working class you'll get is like teacher basically. Right. And then you go to Western Sydney, it's like, what do you do? Fucking tire fitter, work at Macca's, work at KFC. Mm -hmm. This guy Mm -hmm. was like, oh, I'd rather not see. And then like- um, the first thing, like uh, whenever we do jokes in, in Eastern Sydney, um, whenever someone will like an, an act will come on and maybe say like I'm gay, I'm gay or I'm bi or whatever, people will, will cheer in that. And then in Western Sydney, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'd also like cheer or whatever, but like <laughs> I was making fun of some neighbouring subject uh, suburb to someone else and I was like, what do you think of this suburb? And they're fucking faggots. Yeah, and it's just, <laughs> yes. dude, it's the same yes. city, but it is a different world, man. And but I yeah. love that, I love yeah. that. And then, then yeah. like, yeah. Um, it, yeah, yeah, even like the difference between like a Newcastle crowd to a Melbourne crowd, oh, worlds, worlds apart. apart, what they laugh at, worlds, worlds apart. apart, they laugh at all the different jokes. Mm. Um, mm. it's a good skill, it's a good because there's a lot of comedians that can do inner city Melbourne and inner city Sydney rooms and get all the critical acclaim and perform to the, what is it, the, the, the latte sippers. And they just <clears> get <throat> absolutely zero laughs as soon as you go anywhere suburban or basically anywhere outside of those two places. Yep. Um, and vice versa, there's people who just cannot perform to those crowds. Yeah. So uh, I want to like a goal if you're would gauging be those to constantly. be able to perform to both really well. That's sick. That's a cool gag. Mm. Now, start streaming fucking NRL. Oh, I don't have time. That. I know. I wanted yeah, to. I it. wanted to. I just don't, man. I'm so fucking busy. Look, it's going to ruin the NRL for me. I don't want to make it work, man. Like I just like the NRL. I, look, every it's not good enough. You have you have a community duty. You have to do it. Uh, you know what? I was talking to the boys at the, the comedy lounge. Maybe, but probably not. I was talking to the boys at the comedy lounge because they. I didn't know this. They love NRL. The patrons of the Melbourne Storm. Yeah, yeah. big fans. Yeah. They basically founded it. Um, they do a comedy night to do a fundraiser for the Melbourne Storm and they get a bunch of comedians to go in there. And they were just like, that is the hardest room to do. It's NRL it, fans. The, the NRL fans yeah. and everybody that goes in there yeah. bombs. And I was just like, I know just the man. I reckon you could fucking do it. You said that you want to go to different crowds. <laughs> Try the hardest crowd in the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely give that a go. Um, you should give that a go because I reckon you'd be show, able to do it. There were a lot of comedians. In fact, that's how Carl Barron got famous. He did a really killer set on the footy show in the late 90s, I think. Then everyone bought his DVDs. But um, it was notoriously hard to perform to footy show crowds because- Honestly, those sorts of cra- you know who's the best of those crowds? Frenchie. 
and people who just like are really good at bantering and crowd work because that's often what those crowds want. They don't want these like immaculately constructed jokes, right? They just want you to be on their level, make fun of yourself and make fun of them. And uh, I'd gladly do that show. I'm not going to – I'm sorry to everyone. I know you you all probably want my uh, in-depth commentary of the NRL, but uh, I literally have no – I prioritized some other things and I, I don't have the time to take on this extra work. And I actually did a, I literally did a test one with a mate of mine before the season started. And then like after it, I was like, fuck this. Like I need a day off. I can't, I can't do this, man. So yeah, one day I, I will it do go, it. Though? It was actually, it wasn't that funny. It wasn't that good. It was, it was a bit awkward because it was like new doing it with him. And um, we just kind of did some commentary on like who we thought would do well. And I still, uh, I don't know if I still I, I still think the eels have got a chance man and uh, <laughs> they just lost to the tigers so but I think they're the sort of team that even if they just scrape into the top 4 which I think they will they have the potential to like beat either the panthers or the storm on their day in the finals so I'm still going to stick with the eels as my pick but because Panthers are winning, right? They've won six. It's it's a quarter through. Like they've won all their six. But like always, the team that won the year before starts off the next year. Just what do they? What do they say? They just like sprint out of the blocks like that, and they always drop off. Always right. Stormer is still a huge chance. If, if probably if you are going to bet, you'd probably want to go with the Storm. It's a safe bet, especially after whenever they've like had a disappointing season. They then work even harder than they always do, and you know I'd imagine they'd they'd do. You know they've still got an incredible squad. Um, hey, in a, in a game far. between Manly Sea Eagles and the Melbourne Storm, what will all the other teams go for? Who would they want to win the grand final? Um, probably not the Storm because it's probably it's, not the Storm out of so state. Much. Oh, yeah, no, because they, they win, just win so, so much. much, and so they'd probably go for Man- Manly. Haven't they're not as dominant as they were in that period when they had that big rivalry with the Storm. Um, and a lot of people really like the uh, Trebojevic brothers. I think. Okay. Whereas, like the Stewart brothers, I think they were a bit more, you know, hot and cold. Like some people liked them, some people didn't. But uh, you know, like, I don't know. Um, a lot of people don't really like the halfback, and I don't know why. Like Daily Cherry Evans, I think. They think he's uh, a, a, I don't know. Rugby league fans are weird, man. Like I don't know. They, Wait, so, so the my storm- friend, my friend's theory was like he speaks well, and people are like, oh, he thinks he's fucking better than us. Like, I think that's his theory. Okay, <laughs> that, that does make sense actually. <laughs> he's a, he's a great player, and like they they probably because he's got two years left now on his contract, so they don't want to win. That, that's like Manly are in their what do you call it premiership window. Um. So they haven't started that. I think they're four and two. So like they're in with a chance, but haven't been super convincing. But like often the first six, the the teams that like burst out of the blocks often drop off. So it's pretty much in sort of the halfway or like three quarters of the way. That's when you get a better gauge of like, all right, this is the team that definitely has a chance. And so far, I don't know. Dragons have been, yeah, they did win on the weekend, but like, I don't know. The coach is picking all the, putting M by at fullback. Don't know why he's doing that, you know, bring the young players in. Everyone on the Instagram page is saying that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Do what you want, bro. 
Dragon fans are so desensitized and and depressed from the last decade anyway. So <laughs> it's like when you're in a relate, you know, when you, it, it feels like you've you've been on like dating for ten years and like you always think that they oh this person could be the one. No, they end up being a cunt. This person could be the one. No, like every year they they show hope and and they give you like all this. And they don't Promise. deliver. And they, yeah, no, they, they deliver up to like round 18 and then they stop delivering. So, the joke is that the Dragons are May premiers, but even this year, they're not going to be that. So, I don't know. Maybe they'll make that. They could still scrape into the eight, but, you know, sometimes I don't... Like the teams that scrape into the eight and, and think, oh, yeah, that was a good season. It's like, was it? You came seventh. You got bundled out the first week. Really, you got to be in the top four. Um, you got to be like... You know, uh, winning against the other top, you know, a chance to win against the other top four, and anything else is maybe not a failure, but like you, you know, you're not going to win. So mm, 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 mm. here's my analysis for this week for one quarter. I'll do it every quarter, but um, quarter analysis. Yeah. Wait, just before we go, I've got oh, one right, more question. Right, all right. Between the Roosters and the Sea Eagles, who would the other teams want them to win? Um, probably the sea. Everyone hates the Roosters because the, they think they're rorting the salary cap, and they think that about Storm, right? Not so much anymore. When they had Slater, Kronka, and um, Smith, and because they actually ha- did rort the salary cap, yeah, they did. <laughs> Not so. I don't think so much anymore. I think people really like. I swear, people just like the per- the player and the team based on how much they identify with, like. Because Cameron Munster is a very, very good player, but he's not like Slater and Kronk and um, Smith in that they were very professional, whereas Munster's got tattoos everywhere and in interviews he's like, yeah, I'm going to get on the piss in fucking Bali or whatever. And, like, people like him for that. And he got caught with cocaine or whatever. Fuck yeah. I think that just, like, boosts his Well, I like him for it, yeah. Um, So, whereas, yeah, like your DCE or, like, your your Kronk, Slater, Smiths, they were very... Professional, well spoken, and uh, not that basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. and uh, but I think people actually don't like like the media likes that, but uh, the the average the fan would probably like the other option. But depends, I guess. It's probably um, some people that I don't know think he's a bit much, but I like him. I think he's great. I think he's funny. Um, But yeah, to answer your question, I would guess people would go for Manly, but like they're, they're all those three are pretty widely hated, hated teams. Widely. Yeah, they're <laughs> hated. But the Storm is the most hated. That's the conclusion. It's hard to even hate them anymore. I feel like people are just resigned to the fact that they're, they're always going to be there. There's clearly something they do that is just miles above every other club, and they're managed extraordinarily well. And I, it's it's a lot of what goes behind this on behind the scenes there, which. Um, it's a credit to what's his bellyache and the staff. Mm. Uh, and mm. similarly with the Roosters, although the Roosters haven't been that impressive so far, but they often do that. They they will like the, the latter half of the season is where they really make their run. So still Pandas are probably favourites right now, but I don't I just can't see them going back to back. I don't think they're going to have the the drive and the energy to do what they did last year and they'll probably get to a prelim or even a grand final and lose. 
I think it's yeah, Storm. But I, I just I think I just want the Eels to win. That's why mm. they haven't won for so long, and mm. you know, I think most people don't really hate them, which is a good thing in NRL. Yeah. So you know, it'd be good if they um got the lollies, as they say. <laughs> but uh, I don't. I don't know. They're probably not the the Storm. Right. If I were to just like say who I think is the favorite, I'd. I'd go Storm. But then it was actually the Eels that beat them, I think, in the second round or something. They've lost one game. I've forgotten to who. Pandas have won all six. So, yeah. Just a little NRL rundown so far. Thank you for keeping me up to date. It's all good. And, uh, no yeah. No real major surprise packet. Maybe the Cowboys 3-3. Like, no one... People probably thought they were going to be down the bottom. But it's very early, so... Oh, yeah, the Cowboys... The team that everyone forgets exists. Yeah. Fake team. Good old cows, mate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. We'll definitely leave it there now. Um, Thanks for listening. And uh, sorry, I'm not doing the NRL stream yet. Maybe one day, but I've got too many other things. I'm building a brand. I'm building a brand. (laughs) Isn't that just the antithesis? Or antithesis of like an NRL stream. Like, no, I'm too busy building a brand. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> you really don't deserve to be doing no, Twitch streams. I, def- do I definitely don't. All right. Thank you, guys. We will uh, crushorganics.com, neilkohacker.com slash podcasts, uh, comedyuntamed.com uh, for tickets uh, or neildan.com. They're both going to be live for a, a month or so. And see you next time. See you, gang.